I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host on the What's Essential podcast. Welcome back this week for the continuation of our special two-part episode with Matthew McConaughey. If it's your first time joining, he has recently written a memoir of sorts called Green Lights, looking back on the 50 years of his life on Earth so far. But it's not like most memoirs. This book is full of anecdotes, insights, bold stories. It's hard to turn away once you start reading them, and this podcast episode continues in that spirit. Listen to this two-part episode if you want to get an insider's view on what it takes not only to become successful, but to endure at the top for decades, to deal with the challenges of success, some of them unbelievable, and perhaps even break through to a higher contribution effortlessly. And after this episode, make sure to order your copies of both Effortless and Greenlights at the links in the description. So with that, let's begin with part two of Matthew McConaughey. One of my favorite stories in the book is the Dooleys, which seemed to me, if I'm reading it right, perhaps the most formative experience outside of your family. Maybe, maybe yeah. of your whole life, because of it being at that transition moment, and what a bizarre experience it was, and how isolating, you know, the experience was. That is a, I mean, of course, there are tough and you know measurements of what tough is, but that for you was a very tough yeah. experience. Tell us the story. I mean, right just from the beginning, it's an amazing story. Well, if I tell it well, it's a forty-three minute tell. <laughs> 43 minutes. So instead of reading the book, I listened to it on Audible. But yeah, so I would say that year and the fact of my father dying were the two biggest seminal moments. But I would agree with you. Let's go to the Australian story because that one's particular to me. Everyone's had a mm -hmm. father or a mother or a sibling that died, and we know how that makes us be essential. Well, the Australian story, I come out of high school and talk about a man catch, young man catching green lights. Mm. I'm rolling. Meaning mm. my family, you had to, again, Follow the rules, discipline, be home, curfews, do your chores, make your grades, everything, until the day you were 18. And the day you turned 18 in my family was like a freedom. It was like, okay, no more curfew, no more whatever. If you hadn't learned it yet, you're not gonna. Well, I've just got that newfound freedom, got no curfew. I got a job that's keeping 45 bucks in my pocket at all times. I got a four handicap in golf. I've just made my second hole in one 11 days after I made my first hole in one. I'm dating the best looking <laughs> girl at my school and across town. I got a paid for car. I just won most handsome in my senior year. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling. I'm if, if we could put it this way, you were all right, all right, all right, all right. Like, there's a, there's a lot. Catching green lights, baby. So I get this idea. Uh, my mom brings it to me. What about being an exchange student? I, like every kid going into college, not sure what I want to be. Boy, but a year abroad, that sounds great. Well, there are two slots, Sweden or Australia. I go, my 18-year-old mind, English speaking, L. McPherson, beaches, Australia, here I come. <laughs> so bang, I head off to Australia. Now, the family that's going to take me in writes me this note. Hey, Matthew. Looking forward to you coming over here to Australia. we got a great little spot just down the outskirts of Sydney. You're going to love it. Well, I'm looking up Sydney, beaches, all those things of dreams of Australia in my 18-year-old mind. I'm like, the green lights are going to continue. <laughs> well, that family picks me up at the airport. And anyway, after about a three-hour drive, 
to the outskirts of Sydney. Mind you, I landed in Sydney. A three-hour drive, unless you're going in circles, does not mean outskirts of Sydney, where <laughs> I come from. Yeah. We landed at a small country house in the middle of the country, no neighbor in eyesight, no beach in eyesight. It's desert, car stops. Welcome to Australia. Well, okay. All right. I immediately, which is my ethos to go, not what I was expecting to myself, but I can make this work. I was born in a small town. I like country living. Cool. Well, some things start to happen that are very odd and strange. And again, go in the book or hear the audible for the details. It's some wild stuff. It's sort of a wonderful black comedy at my expense, if you want to laugh. <laughs> um, but I, 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 things were happening to me and I didn't have, they were going against my grain, but I didn't have, I didn't know if it was a cultural difference or if it, if it was just me, because I didn't know what I stood for, what I didn't, I couldn't stand up for myself. I didn't have an idea. So I just took it on and kept saying, yeah, I guess that's probably just a cultural difference. I didn't have mm-hmm. those friends to ask. I didn't have my mom and dad to ask, what do you think about this? I didn't have that job that mm-hmm. worked 12 bucks in my pop. I didn't have purpose. I didn't have the girlfriend here, the girlfriend across school. I didn't even have my golf clubs. Mm-hmm. And I had a curfew at 10 p.m. So whoop, I went in reverse. My life got constricted. And talk about essentials. Who did I, I had one person that I could rely on. Mm-hmm. Well, one person, didn't know if I could rely on him, but one person that I could one asset go to one asset to go to to try and navigate this and that asset was me and i took up some very awkward disciplines um to try and manage which we do sometimes when we're losing our mind to create disciplines because i needed daily measurement of accomplishment mm. whether it was running miles or becoming a half-assed vegetarian just something that i could accomplish that i knew i did that okay check checking check that off my list just to keep my sanity. Well, after about four or five months of me losing it, writing, I'm writing 14 page letters to guess who? Hmm. Me. I'm returning 14 page letters back from the 14 page letter I received hmm. from me. I'm going a little crazy. <laughs> okay. No, I, I actually think you probably were. I mean, I like that. That, that, that doesn't seem like an exaggeration that you were on the, it seems to me from reading it on the edge of this, just like, no, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. And I don't, that's how I read it. Is that, is that how it, it was? It was, but here's, here's, here's what it's lost as I was and as mad as I was going. And people say this all the time. Why the hell didn't you come home? I was never coming home. I had in this ear, if it was, are you kidding me? This is crazy. Just pull the parachute, go back home was the overriding song. I always had this little whisper going, out endure this thing. It's a penance. Mm. And so what happens, I started to actually feel empowered by the daily doing it mm. again. And I started to build up sort of like this, look at me, muscle. building up muscle, callus, and going like with every day that I endure this, it's another piece of almost pride and honor. Of like, look at you, man. Stick through this. You'll outlast this. There's a prize on the other side. I don't know what it is, but boy, that prize keep the reward is getting greater with each day you endure. So I started to get a little bit of that going. And what happened was one night they at the dinner table said, We've decided this was the father, 
Mr. Dooley, we've, we've decided that from now on for the duration of your stay, they love to say duration, for the duration of your stay in Australia, you'll refer to us as mum and pop. Yeah. And it was the very first thing that I immediately knew without intellectualizing, no, mm-hmm. I'm not calling anyone else mm-hmm. mom and dad, mm-hmm. mom and pop, whatever. I got a mom and dad. Now, mind you, I remember as I write in the book, I even remember saying verbally this little con- context, which now is so funny because I'm like, what does that mean? I go, I've got a mom and dad and they're still alive. I remember saying <laughs> <laughs> like, like that, like that kind of might shift them and going, oh, think of that. Now we understand. But anyway, it didn't. I said, I've got a mom and dad. I'm not going to call anyone else mom and pop, mom and dad. I, thank you for thinking of me that way. But it's the first thing that was clear that in the moment I said, no. That's not happening. Process of elimination. It was the lightning bolt in my year. Mm-hmm. The very first thing I had in the five months that I've been over there that I was clear about. So I got identity from it. I got resistance. They said, no, yes, you will call us that. No matter what you say, that is what you'll call us. And I did not call them that. I said good night mm-hmm. to them. Called them by their first names when I went to bed that night. Woke up the next morning at 6 a.m. just screaming tears. He won't call me mom. It, it, it wasn't like it was over. It, was, it, it got carny again. But my clarity was the choice. That was the moment in the story for me that I'm like, oh, they are actually, they're just bonkers. You know, like it, it, it's even asking you to do it, of course, is a violation. But then for the next morning, at that to be as if that was something you were doing to damage this the woman that right. you're staying with, that that somehow was a different line. It, it was a different line, but I got to say this, and I don't know where this came from with me as an 18-year-old, but I went up and sat down with her and put my arm around her and cried with her. Was I crying my own tears because I needed to purge? Yes, but was I also crying because, man, that's odd or that's sad that that meant so much. That that would mm-hmm. mean so much that it hurts. So I had empathy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where at eighteen people ask, "Well, how at eighteen? I don't. I don't know." But that moment was major for me. Well, what it sounds like is that you discovered. I think a lot of us discover our values in their violation. Yep. Whether we violate them, we make a mistake, and we just go, "Man, that is just wrong. Right. You can never do that again." Yeah. Or whether somebody crosses some line and we didn't know the line existed till they crossed it. And now you have not words on a page. Hey, these are the things I say I value. You know, these are real. These you will not violate. These you will fight for. It is a clear, vibrant no. That's what this moment seemed to be. That's the process of elimination in another way right there. It wasn't what I'm for. It, it was is. first, no, what I will not do. That's a violation. I love that line. We discover our values in their violation. That was a violation of a value and a principle of mine. And it was clear. In a time mm-hmm. when I'm going, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm lost. I'm lonely. I'm going insane. Whoop, you gave me clear resistance. You gave me clear violation. You gave mm. me a clear, that's trespassing. Yes. And I remember for the first time where everything else I'd said, oh, it's a cultural difference. Oh, it's a cultural difference. It was the first time in my life I said to myself, and I even wrote it in a paper. I was like, cultural difference or not, 
if it is a culture difference, well, then this is where I'm just different. Yes. It was the first time I was able to say that and believe that and understand that. And so from then on, I had a stance. It's like I had more gravity in my shoes. My feet were, my heels were on the ground more. I, I kind of, it gave me a pump up of like, yeah, you made a mark and you made it on, and I made it on my own. I had to come up with it. I didn't mm-hmm. have anyone to check in. I didn't go, hey, we'd like you to call us mom and pop. Hang on a second. Hey, what do y'all think about that? Should I do? There was no discussion. It was me and me. And in the moment, it was like no intellectual discussion. No, that will not pass muster. That's not going to happen. It gave me great identity that I needed in that very small thing. Sim- that just that very specific moment, that very specific violation, as you put it, that I said, that is a violation. That's not up for debate. That's non-negotiable. That's what I needed. I had no non-negotiables mm. in my life. And finally, I was given a non-negotiable. It seems perhaps that the non-negotiable on the surface is, no, I'm not going to call you, you know, mom and dad. I'm not doing that. But underneath it, given when I connect the dots between your you know, 10 goals in life, what you've, you know, you're trying to pursue now, it seems like underneath it, there was a value, really serious value of family. Like, you know, no, you can, you can have all rules, you can do all these things, but underneath this, there are some relationships that are different to all others. Yes. That seems to be the deeper you know, like underneath the, the iceberg, like underneath the surface. 100%. Look, we, and I talk about it in early stories with our family. Um, the love in our family is never questioned. I saw my mom and dad fight. I, I saw my brother and dad fight. I tell stories of corporal punishment that I do not judge against. I actually see them <laughs> as, as great love stories when I tell them. I hope you get that from, from the reading and the listening to it. But if there is a violation of family, our whole family is all hands on deck. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You drop whatever you're doing to go defend blood or to go love blood. You don't hold grudges. Even in the, in the part of the book where I talk about my mom and I didn't talk for eight years after I got famous because she wanted my fame more than I did. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't talk for eight years. But if I got a call from my brother and said, mom's sick, whoops, I'm, I leave whatever I'm doing to go home. I mean, that it trumps all gestures. Our family is highly dysfunctional. You hear of families lie, cheat, and steal from each other. We've never had that in our family. If mm-hmm. we did, the rest of the family would absolutely form tackle that person, pin them to the ground until they cried mercy and said, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. I seek retribution. Then we would lift them up so quick and so high into the air. Their feet would come off the ground and set them up, look them in the eye and go, now we're going to mix your favorite drink. Glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> When, when you have that description, it, it's like obviously you're being a you 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 you're just making up that story, but really that's not much of a of a fictionalized tale you just told. That is no. really how your family of origin was. That is what it's about. You know that wasn't far. That wasn't no, much of a and, story. And actually, that has happened. You know, I've had that happen to me. I had a time where I was getting rolling in Hollywood thinking that my stuff didn't stink and I'm back and I'm kind of walking on my toes and thinking I got it all figured out. And then my family starts just slowly kind of coming in with jabs. And in my family, you got to be able to defend your jabs. And if you can't come back or be able to laugh through them or if you're taking yourself too seriously, then they know they got an end. They found a crack. 
and they'll do it mm-hmm. until it implodes and you don't go to sleep that night. It can, it's going to happen tonight. Somewhere tonight, we're going to blow <laughs> this thing up. And usually later into the night, libations abound and everyone's out and we're out in a great spot at a ranch with a lot of open space where you can't hide. And if you run, they'll come chase you down. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it just comes to where it, they get it to boil over. And that's when they bam, pin you to the ground and you go like, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. You're right. And as soon as you say that and admit it, like I said, I've been grabbed, picked up where my feet came off the ground, looked, hugged, tears fell. Dang it. What's your favorite drink? I'm mixing you one. Glad we got that mm-hmm. out of the way. Good to see you, little brother. Good to see you again, son. You're going to have the conversation. It's going to happen. It, and it's going to happen tonight. We don't go to sleep on it. We don't pick this up tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. going to happen tonight. If we miss work tomorrow, if we miss school all next week, whatever, who cares? It's happening until we can cry it out, level out, look each other in the eye and go, got it? Love you. Love you. Always loved you. Your love was never in question. Sure didn't like who you who you were. Always mm-hmm. loved you, but boy, I didn't like that guy. And I don't think mm-hmm. you did either. And we're not going to let you get away with being that guy. And now that you go, yeah, you're right. Bam. Tears fall. Hugs go around. Fix your favorite drink. Now we're good. Never bring it up again. Let me ask you this question. Some people, some people don't like to go there with this. But, but if you're vulnerable enough to do it, the, which I think you will be. What is something in your life right now, first answer, first thought, that is essential for you? It's very important, but you feel like you're underinvesting in. First thought. First thought, my, my role as a, as a leader. Hmm. And, and you mean in the biggest sense, you, you, you don't mean, I don't think you're saying with your, you know, in your marriage leading together and no, your family. I mean, I mean, I mean, you mean in society. You mean stepping up into yeah. a bigger, into a bigger role than you've yeah. played in the past. Yeah. I gotta quit acting like one. Start being one. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. movies. I'm doing someone else's script. Someone else is directing. Someone else is lensing me in the camera. Someone else is editing me. Then it's put together, and you go see it in the theater. That's four filters from my raw expression. I write a book. It's still one filter. It's a written word. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Put the mm-hmm. pen down. Kind of, hey, it's live, man. Action was called one time when you were born. Cuddle will be called one time when you die. What are we doing? Did not go represent. Be the representation of what you're talking about, what you believe. Have the courage to go live it. I mean, I understand what you just said. You're saying I've been given all this, all this opportunity. I've had this, you know, this amazing chance. I've got a chance to be more. Well, let's say it that way, more than famous. I have a chance to be a voice that rather than just someone else's voice. A living representation of, yeah, that comes with words and there's microphones and there's voice, but what am I doing? What am I, what do I need to do? Quit half-assing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not sitting here going like, oh, I've done that. I'm not that. I'm not going like, no, no. Boo-hoo and who I've been. I'm just saying like, okay, all right, good. But I'm not like, Woo-hoo. No, I, I think I think what you're saying is that you you've been full on on a whole series of things, but it's almost like let's call it goal number eleven. It's like there's a, there's an area that I haven't really set, but I have started to sense over. I'm I'm putting words in your your, your mouth, but over the last few years, you've sensed I've got to be something else. 
I wasn't given all of this for me. I got to go and do something with it. What What do you mean by it? What What do you have to go and do? Well, it's a version of what's my why, which I answered in three different ways, and I don't know if I gave, gave the straight answer yet. You know what I mean? And that's sort of one of my <laughs> my, my blind spot. I, I think, like I said, I think I understand the why. It's the how. You have an intent towards a certain direction, but you don't yet know in tangible form what it is. Exactly. I don't know what. You know, I'm looking at different categories. I'm looking at different leadership like, categories. I'm considering certain things in politics. Right. You could run for office. Could run for office. Run for governor of Texas. Could start a church. Uh, start a church. Could continue with what I'm calling my minister of culture work and trying to define and get sell to individuals, families, cities, institutions, and businesses a common set of denominators that we all agree on moving forward, regardless of your political choice or your denominational yeah. choice. The new metric institute. Yeah. The civility of civics. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at, you know, trust is at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. No doubt. That's not a way to go. We're moving into a digital age, but yet we're being asked to trust more, but yet we're going like, well, wait a minute. I'm all, you're asking me to live more remotely? But and I'm only seeing you through the screen. But is this my new? And you're asking me to trust you with my information, with my money, with my IP, with, with these things. Guy, and I, and I don't even see it. It's in a cloud somewhere. It's in the third mm-hmm. cloud. What? If you had to choose between those categories right now, right? You know, the gun to the head thing. You got ten seconds. You're choosing right now. We're already at eight, seven. Which category would you choose? Minister. Would you? And so you would you would start a church, uh, and it, is this a church in your head that it's is it is it a is it a big church on Sundays? One of these mega churches? Would it be a mega church, or is it something different to that? It's not a mega church of a physical congregation. It could be, but I'm also looking at no. It's more like it's it's more like enough ants can bring down the elephant. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, I want to go all the way down. I believe the private sector has more power right now than any time in that I can remember. And I mean, when I say private sector, I mean all the way down to the individual. If I can inspire the individuals to understand that you're the minister of your church, man, you are the minister. I'm not that. I may, I may be the one that started mm-hmm. this and can get the vision of it, but don't you understand? I can't do it for you. Nobody can. You're the minister of your own church. So let's do some inventory. Take some time. And what is your church of who you are, your DNA, your constitution? You would set up a platform of some kind that could empower an enormous number of people to take responsibility, to figure out their ministry, to take it seriously, and to bring that forth in the world. That's what you want to do. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. Yeah, and, it, and look, I'm not inviting you tyrants. No, <laughs> no tyrants. All non-tyrants, welcome. You want to come from another religion? You got another God? You're a Hindu? You're, you're Muslim? Come on. You're spiritual. You're agnostic. You're atheist. Come on. Not excluding. We've taken it. We've corporatized it. We've had inclusion with exclusion. We've cut people out. We've been lied, cheated, and stole to. But that doesn't mean religion's bad. It means mankind's done with it's bad. And I think the world use religion now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Because it's a great tool and everything's religious if it's got intent and aim, which I think we all do. So whatever your God or prime mover or Big Bang or Darwinistic evolution or agnosticism, atheism, Hindu, Jewish, whatever. Come on, man. We've got a common set of denominators here that we all agree on what we should value in ourselves and each other. And it's going to take some sacrifice. We've got to have a little bit longer view of where we deem ourselves gratified. We're hung up on this immediate result BS. And time and time again, we see that it doesn't pay the rent for long. Time and time again, we see it as a green light, but it's a battery powered green light, not a solar powered green light. And if you don't want to chase down, if you don't believe in God, hell, chase, chase your better and truer self. Chase your more transcendent self. Sure. Who out there doesn't want to be a little more true, a little bit better tomorrow? You, you're saying put away the labels, we actually agree on way more than we disagree on. Let's let's be in service of each other to do something that really matters. What would success look like for you? Sitting here right now, will you say, I would know I had checked that off or at least be able to say like the other 10, look, I'm on, I'm on the path. You'd know that you were feeling good if what? Ooh. <laughs> Boy, let me think here because I have ideas for like what I think immediate measurable success would be. I believe that crime rates could go down. I believe that more employees could be uh, happier doing good work in the company they're working for. I believe divorce rates would go down. It, um, I believe. Um, that um, in equal opportunity. I'm not sure about uh, the definition, the always moving definition of equality. I'm not in, I'm not looking for a kumbaya existence and I'm not looking for, hey, we're all the same. I believe in, hey, bring your tribe. 
Wave your flag. Come on to the same party. I like your difference. Unity and diversity. But what is it for you? What does what does success, not just the, the end result, but what would success be for your part of this journey? Like how would you know you were making meaningful progress on goal number 11? Quality of life across the globe would, would improve. Gross national happiness would rise with GDP. Redefining what happiness is. More joy in the doing. I, you know, I, it's a good question. I don't know what the final answer would be. I think I, what I'm challenging is we need to change our perspective and definition of how we see what we call success. As I said, currency, even the definition of religion, what we're chasing. I think we're selling. I think yes. our scale of what we sell to the world and especially younger people is in the wrong order. What we define as wealth, what we define as true profit. If it's all about who makes the most money, then we're all going to lose in the end. If that's it, then we're all going to lose. I mean, it's got to be about more than that. And that's when I say bank account and <laughs> souls account. Now more than ever, that's why I don't think I don't think politics is my category. I think it, I think right now my hunch is that go through businesses. It is play into the people that have the power, play into the people with the money, that they're the ones that can help make change. Is that a tithe? That every that businesses give back to certain cities. I'd like to see the city that I'm from become a city that hires more graduates from the local university than any other city. Can places become B Corp headquarters of the world? Can we have more B Corps across mm -hmm. the board and have CEOs go, yeah, I'm going to pay that tithe. I'm, I'm agreeing to pay that duty uh, to the city I'm in or to this problem, particular problem in the city. I hear you circling. There's no criticism in that. I just am observing it that, that it is back to this idea of like, I just feel a personal responsibility to, to do something about these bigger issues that I'm observing and feeling not beyond. I mean, the book is important, but, and I think it's a manifestation of this sense in you already that you're like, well, I got to be a leader. Okay. Well, a book is at least a piece of that. I can do it. It's a number one New York Times bestseller. It's actually, it's more than that. It's a phenomenon. It's opened up a bit more of a, uh, a lane totally. for me as well, because with the lane I'm going down, as you're saying, is not like, okay, that was the book. Now that's no. out of the way. A lot of, you know, you want to know who I am. I, my best, my best resume would be hand you the book. Exactly. You know I mean? And what I hear you saying, I think this is a fair enough way of saying it. It's like green lights is is the initiation, a spark of what I hope is a movement. Right. So so it's yes. I want to bring about exactly. a we let's give a phrase, a green lights movement. So maybe, yep. maybe if we're now getting trying to get more concrete, maybe it's launching, you know, the Green Lights Institute. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. you could have a Green Lights Institute that's a nonprofit if you wanted to do it that way. I could see, you know, Ariana Huffington is, is a friend of mine. And, and, you know, with her Thrive Global, she's created a platform where people can talk about, I mean, not dissimilar in the sense of like she's saying, look, success has to be better than how we've been defining it in the past. It's got to include a, a broader sense of thriving, not just you know, not just money and fame. And, and so she's created that platform. Of those two options, like an institute, like a nonprofit institute that tries to create policy in, in, in a space there, that's like call that option one. 
And then option two, you have an actual sort of digital platform where people can communicate and it's a it's kind of a thrive global type thing. Of those two, which speaks to you most? Now, what's the, the second one is like it's online, it's a destination online where people come to the proverbial Greenlight Institute or the proverbial church of their choosing and that within the institute, da, da, da. Thrive Global is uh, is like where I mean I think she has I don't know the number now but like thirty thousand different writers anyone you know not anyone but almost anyone can come and write and they can they can publish and it's in certain categories and so it's an opportunity right. to have more and more people communicate and and share around the themes of Thrive so I could imagine a similar thing but around green lights and a yeah. series of principles you care about of those two which just hits you when I'm sharing it. I understand the first one more clearly. I understand the first one as a destination mm-hmm. and a curation of thoughts uh, and, and a place to go for that thought and a redefinition of what the thrive is. Option two is for is like for the masses, where you're saying, I'm going to start a website. It's going to have the opportunity for people to publish and share their thinking. And, uh, and, and it's, I mean, I mean, she started HuffPost at one time and that became, you know, massive, millions and millions, one of the most visited sites on the internet. And now in a sense, she's doing the same thing, but now with a very, you know, like an agenda with it. It's like, I want people to come and be able to talk and learn and discuss these themes. Mine would be more the democratic way, the second for the, for the masses. Just because we individually, it has to be personal. And we individually have to have our own talk in the mirror. And so that's Mm -hmm. a much more democratic idea that if I can get to the individual. um, Now, is that, you know, I I don't think it's self-help. I don't think it's self-motivation. It is those things, but. You don't like that framing of it, but you think it it still is probably in some close to that arena. Well, all right, like this, you know, I understand it's hard to change people's behavior. And I'm a big fan of, hey, actually, the arts and the engineering, isn't it? If you engineer a situation right, people do better for themselves without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And boy, there's great value in that. And I'm for that. At the same time, I'm like, no, man, I'm telling you we can change behavior. Redefine. We just got to redefine some words that we've kind of stereotyped into meaning for us about what meaning of life is and what we're doing and what success is and what 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 wealth is that and if we, I can measure that and this is why I think it's got to be for profit because it's actually in a way redefining what profit is because this should be for profit now is again of what currency but I also think it should be for profit where you're saying actually a company who who practiced mm-hmm. this way actually made mm-hmm. more at the end of the year is it because we reward that company or is it actually because, as say like a John Mackey with conscious capitalism would say, no, actually, that's sure. biz- that's just better business. And we're going to see we're going to be more in the black at the end of the year because of it. I don't know exact, but I think it has to be for profit and it has to say mm-hmm. that, look, there's measurable reason why this adds value to your life and your bank account and your relationships. So if you launched a business that itself was sustainable, profitable, but its result, what it's is double bottom line, its other bottom line is that the output was that people were empowered in the way you're describing, where they were able to understand clearer how they can make a unique contribution in the world 
uh, how they can recreate and invest in themselves in a way that they can bring forth more of that potential. You go, yeah, that I, I, I'm good. I would feel satisfied. I'm digging that. I'm, I'm firing out of bed on Monday morning now. I can't wait to get to my desk, proverbial desk mm. now. I'm, I'm going, here we go. Now we're alive. I feel this thing in action. It, it's not exclusive. You know, it's not a destination. It doesn't have a certain border around it that I've got to click into, get into it, and then export the thing. No, it's an epidemic. No, it's, it's the kind of epidemic we don't want a vaccine for. Here we go. Here we go. Now I'm feeling like we're in the game. Now I'm breaking a sweat. Now it's a verb. Yeah, what it seems to me is that you've spent years and years. It's like something's been growing. You've thought about it deeply. You're not, you're not coming to this surface level. This is not like little platitude. But that it's almost like a curse of knowledge because you go, oh, I, I've got so much in my head about this that I can only scratch the surface when I'm talking about it normally. And I can't get any clearer to like, how do I actually start executing on this genuine and deep desire? That's what I hear. Correct. You're correct. That's the that's the the, the the place I am now and that I'm that I'm working on. And one of the reasons I'm really enjoying this conversation is you're challenging me in ways that I'm going, oh, I need I want to get to a place where I, those answers are clear, where I understand them and I need to be challenged right now. And I'm welcoming mm-hmm. those challenges because mm-hmm. I got to my desk is full of wonderful ideas and they're in the funnel. Mm-hmm. They're in the funnel of the why. Mm hmm. But I got to find the how in all these and go, wait a minute, let's get rid of that crap on the desk because now we're, we're central. Right. I got to ask my buddy says, my buddy tells me I got to trim the mullet. Yeah, trim the mullet. I like it. And it's, it's so broad as I hear you talking about them. It's because you care about these different principles. It's not like you're going, well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. They do all matter. But in a sense, it, it keeps you from being able to actually feel like I'm making progress. We are going somewhere here. So, okay. So let's say, so you, you, let's say you have a weekly, a weekly something you're interviewing someone, people can tune in, people can come in. They, they can, okay. There's a, maybe there's some sort of fee to enter, right? There's like some way they access this and all access pass for a year or they come in once a week. And okay. There's that element. Is that sufficient? I'm thinking it's probably not sufficient for you. So beyond that, would you say, Oh, yes, I would love to have people, coaches certified in what we're talking about, and they go out there and train people and work with people in small groups. When you hear that description, you go, yes, I would love that. Yes. Well, that's very part and parcel with the original idea of whether it was called Greenlight Institute or Ministry of Culture, that there become other ministers, that there become other head greenlighters that are creating green lights mm-hmm. for themselves and for the most amount of people. And where is that choice? That that choice of considering with all the choices we make of what's good for me and also is this a good long-term decision? Am I going to look back and enjoy the view with this decision? And how many people does this help? And so at Greenlighters, I had different Mm -hmm. ministers that go off from the ministry of culture. Um, So yeah, that's the kind of spread the epidemic that I'm talking about. And then you have people on the ground in different places and there's a network of those. Yeah. So you are saying that that was really what you just said was, yes, I would want people. I mean, yeah. I, I, I certified they can become part of this. They can build their own community. They can have their uh, green, you know, green light tribe, uh, you, you know, they they can they can influence and so on. OK, so beyond that, would you imagine 
that there was uh, online training, like actual, you know, some of those coaches come back and they actually are doing teaching segments and people can then watch those videos beyond the things that you yourself are where you're interviewing people. Yes. And I would also want to, at a time like this, bring opposites together, meaning bring people from different religious tribes to come have a conversation. Bring, um, um, you know, I've thought about this. Do I go on a, and this is not the answer, but it's another maybe spoke in the wheel. Do I take a tour? Like I was going to do this book tour. I was going to go off. I was looking for, I was going to go all over and go do this live. Do I take a tour where the, the price of admission mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. you come in because you've pledged to do community service in the opposite part of town that you live in? From both sides. And you come in and that's your price of admission that you went over and you engaged in a place that you did, would not have before. Where this meet you in the middle, not build a bridge, meet you in the middle thing where we can find these common denominators that we didn't mm-hmm. before, which I think is something that the, mm-hmm. overall we could all agree the world needs right now. Within this uh, institute, I don't know if that is the right word, but we'll keep that word for now. Within this institute, you could have separate threads. And within those threads, one of the threads you like is like, look, what does it, you know, what does it mean to be a good, a good man right now? You know, what are the, what is a manifesto that we might, you know, create together that people can sign up for and say, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm opting into this because I want to make a difference. And and so you you like that the, there are different channels threads within this within this movement. Yes, and you know, is it ones that people can pick along along the way? There's not a. It's not something. It can't yeah. be. I'm not interested in legislating these ideas. I'm not interested sure. in mandating them. That's what I mean. It's your choice. And 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 if you fail, if you seek real retribution and come back and go, I failed. I seek real retribution. We agree you seek retribution. Come on back in, man. You both mm-hmm. need You screwed up. Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, you're slammed, you're sued, you're out, you're pasted all over the news. You but no, it's not a legislation. I don't want, I don't, I don't, no one, I don't, nobody likes to be told what to do, especially me. I don't want to be mandated anything. That's why the pol- political category does not feel like the right thing for me. Yeah. It's it, you aren't trying to legislate this agenda. You're trying to, but you're still trying to have an agenda. But you want it to be people can opt into it. If they if there's something if there's not something here for them, fine, you go your own way. But maybe this maybe green lights the book is not supposed to be just a book. Maybe it's the beginning of a movement, and you want to see that come into fruition. Yes, yes, it really matters. What you you didn't get given green lights for you. You didn't get a book that is doing what this is doing for you. You didn't just write a successful memoir. It's a, the book is a phenomenon. It's obvious it's going to be. It's going to reach to a lot of people. And this, what you're describing just has to happen. It needs to come into manifestation. That's what I think. We'll talk about it more. Thank you. I'll find you. Thank you, sir. Matthew, real pleasure. Take care. We'll talk to you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally. 
within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.